Welcome to Picks and Flicks. This is a podcast where myself, Stephen Pigeon, and my co-host, CJ Welsh, take game and movie pairings and discuss to see if they work against each other in different ways. CJ is our filmmaker and producer, and I work in production in games development. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we occupy and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Yeah, let's do it. So today, uh, I'm a little bit excited. We're doing a pairing that is is particularly interesting for me. Um, we're doing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order as the game. So that was a game directed by Stig Armisen. And that was 2019 that came out, which feels like a thousand years ago now. Uh, we're pairing that with Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, the series directed by Deborah Chow. And that was 2022. So both vaguely pandemic releases one could argue fallen order came out before then but certainly i remember playing through most of it during lockdown um but yeah so the synopsis on uh oh, hang on i've done them backwards cut that little middle chunk out we'll there cut that should we should we put up uh, as with every episode full spoiler warning full spoiler warning ahead on these ones uh if you haven't played through fallen order um definitely do it but Fair warning, massive, massive spoilers for that game. There are some big twists in there towards the end. We're going to ruin all of that. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, less so. Uh, you know, we know how Star Wars ends, so <laughs> yeah. no, no, no need to worry about spoilers on that one. Uh, but again, massive spoilers for that show. We're going to cover everything. So Fallen Order follows a Jedi survivor, um, Cal Kestis. So he survived Order 66, which was, of course, the Purge Order, uh, in which the clone troopers turned against the Jedi and killed them all. So he's a survivor. He's in hiding. Uh, and he ends up being found by the Inquisitors in the first sort of 10 minutes of the game, and you spend the rest of the game sort of on the run from them while simultaneously tracking down a holocron that has the, I guess, home addresses of a bunch of Force-sensitive kids. Uh, And then in Obi-Wan Kenobi, you, of course, follow Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi as he has to save uh, young Leia from getting... She gets kidnapped, uh, and, of course, the Inquisitors are involved in that whole scenario too. And that's the pairing. Let's get, let's get into it. Let's get into it. I should confess, I didn't finish the game. <gasps> but, I, but you know, I looked it up, so I know what happens. How, how far did you get? My save file is 40%. Um, but I think what I, I, I just fought the second sister for like the second time, and she took off her helmet, and she told me who she is. Uh, and I know more what happens in the story, because I looked up like a, a plot summary video, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish it in time for the recording. Oh, yeah. You missed like the uh, the big twist. I'll get it out of the way now. Why not? So um, oh, with, her, with Sarah Sia being her master. And oh, no, that's that's one of the twists. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's this beautiful reveal uh, where, of course, the... Hang on, I'm going to have to backtrack a bit here. So for those not in the know, the Star Wars canon is let's say, getting messy again. Uh, <laughs> so obviously when Disney bought uh, Lucas, Lucasfilm, and, and thus the Star Wars sort of licensing, they basically put a pin in all of what you would call like the extended universe. So Disney kind of went, right, anything in the movies is canon. Everything else, until we say otherwise, not canon anymore. Which includes all the pre-existing TV shows. All the pre-existing TV shows. There's a ton of books, and I mean a ton. There are like dozens upon dozens of EU extended universe Star Wars novels. All of that was made non-canon pretty much overnight. Fans are very upset. I I, I was a little bit upset, not going to lie. I was a big fan of a lot of those books. Um, A lot of the comics as well got made non-canon, and there was some very cool shit in those comics. However... Disney has started going through and, I guess, re-canonizing a lot of things. So Clone Wars, the cartoon series, is now canon again, um, thanks a lot in part to Dave Filoni. So Dave Filoni 
many would say is is the heir to the LucasArts empire. He's kind of our our modern or second coming of George Lucas, if I do say so myself. Um, but what they've what they've essentially done is I just process what you said and I'm like, oh god, oh god, <laughs> the second coming of George Lucas. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, first of all, George is still alive, but. Uh, he's <laughs> taken a big step back from Star Wars. He's not involved anymore. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, some people think that's for the better. Some people don't. He's still raking in that cash. He, yeah, he's still making a ton of money. I think he sold the company for $4 billion, And in the in the in- intervening years, he's now made another $10 billion off of Star Wars. And he hasn't had to touch it. Like that dude, he cashed out when he knew. He, he had it right. He made the right call. But the, the Dave Filoni thing, so he was doing a cartoon called Star Wars Rebels. And in that cartoon, they introduced, uh, uh, I guess, new canon in the form of these Inquisitors. And the Inquisitors are previously Jedi. They were usually young Jedi who survived the Purge but were captured by the Empire. And they've been turned into, I guess, agents. Uh, you know, you can't call them Sith because there's rules and blah, blah, blah. But they're, they're... Wait, why not? Well, the Sith have this thing, the rule of two, and they don't follow it, but they also do but it basically means there can only ever be two Sith and a master and an apprentice. So in Star Wars, in the, in the normal narrative, the master is Emperor Palpatine. Yep. Darth, Darth, um, what's his name? Darth Sidious. Yep. And the apprentice is Darth Vader, right? Anakin Skywalker, spoilers. So <laughs> yeah, like we yeah, didn't already like know if that you part. didn't know that, uh, there's no hope for you, but the, the inquisitors kind of fall somewhere in the middle there. They're not Sith but they use red lightsabers and they hunt down Jedi. And they can use the Force. And they can use the Force. They're all Force-sensitive. So you end up with, in the Rebels cartoon, there's a Grand Inquisitor. There's like four or five of them. And they all have cool names, like Second Sister and like Third Brother and shit like that. Do you know, but by the way, because like, okay, so in, for this, you're going to be my Star Wars expert because like I've always been a bit ambivalent to it and have not caught up with a lot of it. I've seen most of the movies. I haven't seen uh, the ninth one, like of the new trilogy. Um, you know, I haven't seen the Han Solo movie, but I've seen uh, enough and know enough about it. But I'm by no means an expert, and I'm watching it passively on the sidelines, so I'm not as across everything. Ninth sister and third brother, and like these terms, do they have like specific meanings? Like, is there a difference between second sister and third sister? Yeah, kinda. It's interesting because in the Rebels cartoon, which is where they were first sort of introduced, and in the comic books that followed, which are which are under the Marvel branding. So that's, you know, Disney owns both. So they use Marvel Comics to put out Star Wars comics. The world has gotten weird. Um, they they do explain it a little bit. The names don't seem to infer a ranking system necessarily. They also don't seem to infer the order in which they were turned into Inquisitors. Oh, because that was my assumption, some sort Most of ranking. Most people think that, yeah. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason in that sense. But uh, when... In Obi-Wan, you will have noticed, the Grand Inquisitor is apparently killed um, by Reva. She becomes or gets promoted to Grand Inquisitor. So it does seem like there is a ranking system. Someone is in charge who is not Darth Vader. Darth Vader is above them. But in terms of the naming convention, no one's 100%. It, it actually makes for really interesting canon because they can just keep adding them. Like, I didn't look this up, but off the top of my head, we only know... I think it's like six of the nine possible. So we know there's a ninth sister, but we've never seen like the sixth. Like, like are there like eight it, We sisters? haven't seen six, seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. So there's room for them to grow. There's room for them to have, you know, further episodes of things and introduce new characters that are, that are still Inquisitors. So I kind of, they've given themselves uh, breathing room to add new characters in whenever they want. I suspect 
on, uh, I think it's April 28th, when the new Star Wars Jedi Survivor game comes out, which is a sequel to Fallen Order, there will be more Inquisitors and we will meet new characters. So it's kind of cool that they've given themselves room to do that. What's really interesting is the Grand Inquisitor, we barely got any of his backstory in Obi-Wan or in uh, Fallen Order. He doesn't actually show up at all in the game. But in the cartoon Rebels, we learned that he was a, um, a guardian Jedi at the Jedi Temple in Coruscant. So he was fully there when the purge happened, but he immediately caved and was like, I'll join the dark side. I want to live. Fuck this. <laughs> and so he had this whole sequence of like backstory events where you, you learn that the Inqui- Inquisitors were basically born of Jedi who weren't 100% good dudes and kind of went like, you know what? I could see the dark side working for me. So well, you, even just as a means of survival. Yeah, so they weren't necessarily tortured into it. They're not brainwashed. Like, And you sort of discovered this when you would have seen that that sequence with the second sister taking her helmet off and yep. revealing that she is, in fact, the former uh, Padawan of of one of our main characters in the game. Um, you end up... I should double-check that, actually. I think it was Seer, Seer Junda, played yep. by Deborah Wilson. So you learn that as like a big twist. Oh my God, the the Jedi master abandoned her Padawan and the Empire brainwashed her and tortured her into being an Inquisitor. But some of the Inquisitors, like get into it. They like being Inquisitors. They were not brainwashed. They're not into it for revenge. They literally are just like, no, this is sick. I'd rather live and have power. Let's do that. And that's kind of the gateway to the dark side, right? So it makes sense. You would end up with a bunch of them. I will say this. The actual twist I'm I'm referring to is that Darth Vader does show up in Fallen Order right at the end and it's insane so uh, that's part of what I looked at because I really wanted to try and, and finish the game because I knew he was going to show up and I knew you were going to have a fight but it was also like at the very end of the game the game is like 25 hours to beat um, you know when we started this parent 2 we were initially looking at Andor so I started watching mm. Andor got halfway through that and then we pivoted to Obi-Wan Kenobi so I put that on the sideline uh, watched that and then tried to play through the game I also struggled with the game so much I played through the first like opening chapter and a half, like a couple hours in one night, saved it, went to bed, came back the next day and my save file won't load. <gasps> so I had to replay it and then you also can't skip cutscenes. Can't skip cutscenes. That's <laughs> brutal. I will say the the game is both long and in parts unnecessarily. I mean, let's not rip on it too hard. I quite like it, but I think it's a really fun game. It's, it's a very it's, fun it's game. It's great, but there's also a lot of tedious moments in it. Yeah. They um there's a little bit of what you might call Metroidy, or or these days people would maybe call it Dark Soulsy, uh, uh, I can't, style. I, the way I was kind of thinking about it was, it seems to be like a blend of a bunch of different like well-known games. Right? Like you have Assassin's Creed, you have Tomb Raider, you have Dark Souls. Uh, yeah, you have like like Batman-style combat with countering and and attacking and and timing things right. Yeah, um, they leaned into I think the. The lightsaber combat. They knew you're making a, a Star Wars it's game. It's a Star Wars game. You, you want to play with a lightsaber. Yeah. And, and like none of that is actually a bad thing. In fact, if anything, given that combination and putting it in the Star Wars world is like, you know, a recipe for success. Right? Oh, yeah, 100%. But then it's also like, you know, there's a lot of like uh, tedious maneuvering and exploration and, and like platforming. A lot of platforming. And you end up with um, the combat then seemingly, like if you play on anything other than casual, it's really quite hard. Oh, I so I started playing it on like uh, the second easiest difficulty because I'm like, well, you know, I want to play a game, have a little bit of challenge, but I, I also want to kind of want to breeze through this. I got to to uh, so when you get to that second planet, the green planet, and I found like a big frog boss monster. Oh yeah, yeah. 
that thing pissed me so pissed me off so much. I tried yeah. like twenty times to fight it and beat it, and this is before I had any upgrades. I basically had like two upgrades. Yeah, you, it's it it is a little bit Dark Soulsy uh, in that a lot of the combat is really based on parrying yeah. and defense and then very well-timed offensives. But then I just turned it to the easiest difficulty, like story mode. Oh yeah, it's much easier on story mode. And then, they, and then yeah. like, I don't even have to think about it. I'm like, fuck it. Like, I mean, we talked about it last last episode, right? But like in terms of like me trying to get through an experience a thing, especially if I'm if we're doing recordings two weeks apart, I'm just going to have to like, yeah. like try and do as much as I can. Just, just put it on easy. I mean, look, I'm too old. I'm, I'm an old man now. I don't have time to play on the hardest difficulty. I got nothing to prove. I'm on easy mode all the way through, baby. It's the way to do it. I will I will say the reason that we pivoted and, and the reason I bring up that big twist of Darth Vader is that Andor, as a TV show, I, first of all, fucking love that show. I, so, granted, I didn't finish it because we pivoted, but what I was watching of Andor, I fucking loved it. it was- it's extremely good. If you, yeah. if you haven't seen it and you, you're putting it off because you're not a Star Wars fan... Check it out. It is. It transcends the brand in a big way. Yeah, I suppose we won't, we won't really spoil Andor since that's not the topic. No. But like, even that first episode, like the stuff they cover and like the storylines that they explore is not at all what I would expect from Star Wars. Yeah, and also the fact that like it's not tied to the, the Jedi's or the Skywalker family or anything. It's it's more of like side uh, yeah. context story. I'm like, I want more of that. That's what you want, right? I feel like that's partly why we made the call to pivot was that Fallen Order is very much classic Star Wars. It's lightsabers, it's force powers, it's magic, it's over the top, right? Fighting against the Empire. That's Fighting against the Empire, yeah, right? And then you've got Obi-Wan feels very similar. Lightsaber combat, uh, Darth Vader has this really overwhelming presence. It's it's this, they, they thematically feel very similar. So like part of the reason I feel like they're, they're not a straight adaptation, like Fallen Order in no way covers the story of Obi-Wan or vice versa, but they feel like they live in the same place. They, they come from they're, the same angle. Kind of set around the same time. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. is set 10 years after 66 and Fallen Order is five years. So there's a five years time difference between them. Yeah, and I think that's going to be really well explored because the new game that comes out, uh, I didn't check the exact time jump, but there is a time jump between Fallen Order and Survivor. And I think it brings it much closer to Kenobi. What's fascinating is if you are like me and you're a massive fucking Star Wars nerd and you've watched all the comics and you've read all the books and you're, you're up to speed on modern canon, the, the gaps that are getting filled are some of the most interesting timeline missing elements. So having Fallen Order take place, you know, five years after is a very similar timeline to uh, Rebels and that's the introduction of the Inquisitors. So you're sort of starting to feel like, okay... The Inquisitors obviously disappeared sometime before the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, because they don't show up in the original trilogy at all. Mm. So what happened to them in that 20-year gap between Order 66 and A New Hope? And now we get to find out. And it's cool because... The design of the, of the Inquisitors, by the way, is Oh, they're awesome. so cool. Because, like, again, because I'm not like as closely following Star Wars... Because uh, Inquisitors show up both in Fallen Order and in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I didn't know what these types of characters are. Yeah, that's true for you. They would have been totally fresh. They yeah. were totally fresh, totally new to me. And I kind of like loved them being like, you know, Jedi hunting like squads. And they're like uh, dual rotating like lightsaber spinning wheel. 
I was like, what the fuck? This is sick. This is awesome. <laughs> it's, it was a really cool design when they first showed up in Rebels. I will say this, and I'm glad they didn't put it in either the game or Kenobi, but in Rebels, there's a moment where a two or three of them use them as like a helicopter blade and fly <laughs> away. It's the dumbest thing. I Like watching it, I was like, I love Star Wars. That's fucking absurd. Like but, but who, who decided but that see, was a he, good move? Here's me coming in not really caring about Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, do more of that. I want more like fucking dumb shit. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like looking back on it, it was very entertaining. But if but, they had uh, done that so in live action, I think people would have immediately just been like, no, this is trash. Well, that 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 like doing that in live action immediately turns into like a B-grade camp. Exactly. Star Wars. Yeah, um, you can't. Because like Rebels is animated and I'm assuming like it's it's targeted as like a kid's oh, show. Oh, definitely younger audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it gets significantly darker as it goes on. Mm. But I mean, it, it, in the same way that the Clone Wars cartoon show did, by the time you hit those last couple of seasons, like they've, they've aged it up as the audience has grown up with it. And also like they're tying it into like the, the, the more grown up. Exactly. They're, they're leading into the movies, which get significantly darker, which yeah. I think is like the game Fallen Order. You could make the argument. It skews younger. Um, but it, but it does get really dark towards the end. And I think, think Obi-Wan kind of leans into that as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of elements in Fallen Order that that, that do like uh, like attract more of a younger or more of like a like a passive audience as well. Like uh, BD One, BD One robot yeah. being like being like a cute little robot. Like basically, you have your, your cute follower. Like how like the latest Far Cry had like Chorizo, the, 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 the little sausage dog. dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also like the the quippy uh, pilot of the ship Grease yeah. Grease being like we risked we risked all our lives for here and didn't even find anything blah 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 like this and like those like snide comments and off jokes I mean that's very Star Wars in itself because like it. they, you, Han they, Solo would do that kind of stuff as if well if you're trying to like capture the essence of why Star Wars is good I mean first of all lightning in a bottle right very hard to do as as the sequel trilogy has proven really hard to replicate why Star Wars is good and they just announced the new trilogy I know I'm actually like super pumped about it they've they've expanded the timeline this is gonna mean nothing to you pigeon but <laughs> but I'm like I also pumped because <laughs> because like Daisy Ridley's coming back I haven't watched the last one of the, of the new trilogy I kind of um, want to tell you to skip it but you shouldn't it is like what was it called again? It's it's uh, it's the rise of Skywalker. Right. Look, I'll I'll go. It's, up. The, it's, the, it's the one where like uh, I remember. Um, uh, oh, what was the last Jedi? No, the the, the last Ra- Jedi. The Brian Jan- Johnson. Brian one. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where it's like it's not all about Skywalkers. Anyone has has the power and the potential. And then from what I hear from the next one, is like, nah, fuck that. It is literally only the Skywalkers. Well. Okay, we're going to spoil a little little bit here. If you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, first of all, it doesn't matter. Second of all, just go and watch it. I mean, it's been out long enough now. It's been out long enough. Go and see the film. I haven't. It wasn't very good. (laughs) Let's let's preface this by saying I did not enjoy The Rise of Skywalker as a Star Wars movie. It was a fun little action romp. As its own movie, separated, I think it's fine. It's fine. It's It's fine. fine. But the- There's some great moments, like going, going through the Star Destroyer. Oh, you're talking about Last Jedi still. Oh. I'll die yeah. on this fence. Okay, so here's my problem. I'm not going to know which movie we're talking about. about. <laughs> okay, so The Last Jedi, I will die on this fence. I, fucking at me in the comments. Come at me, bro. I don't care. That is the best of the modern Star Wars films. The Last Jedi. That's the last one. Episode nine. Episode eight. The one that everybody hates. Right. I fucking love it. The Last Jedi is as good, if not better, brace yourselves, than Empire Strikes Back. Everyone's going to be, you can't say that. Blah, blah, blah. CJ, it's a moron. You're a moron. Trust me. <laughs> that film was a masterpiece in how to take an established canon and do something new and interesting and fun with it. 
You can argue till you're blue in the face that the whole light speed ship attack was stupid. I don't care. I it think, looked incredible. I think that's one of the key parts of it, right? Is doing something fun. And not, and, fun. and not treating it as like this super serious sci-fi thing. Yeah. Like like Star Wars needs room for like some some playful stuff in the there. The last year I knew what it was doing in 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 enjoying itself and setting some things up that could have been fascinating. And then the ninth film comes along and just undoes all that and goes, no, 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 no. ignore that. Uh, we're back to doing classic Star Wars. And the reason that the ninth film doesn't, first of all, it's a fucking mess, right? But Would you recommend that I watch it? Oh, you should definitely watch it. You should definitely watch Everybody should watch it just to see what it looks like to set fire to a billion dollar franchise. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> like it is absurd. But honestly, it's it's as a movie it works. As a Star Wars movie, it doesn't work. It 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 doesn't understand what it's trying to do. There's too many throwaway bullshit whatevers. I will say this though, they've set themselves up to effectively reboot the modern Star Wars universe and I have a feeling that that's what the new films are going to do. They're setting up a new new um canon timeline here so the bit that i'm pumped about is the new films take place in the new jedi order and it's i think i read it was 15 or 20 years after rise of skywalker so it gives them again huge breathing room to fill that gap with canon later on but it means they can kind of jump ahead and go don't worry about what happened in movie nine this is its own thing this is a new thing we're doing something different and they've gone the full other direction so in the comics and in the books at the moment they're exploring a time period called the high republic takes place if memory serves it's like it's a long time i want to say it's not a thousand years it's like i'm gonna fuck this up it's a hundred years 500 years anyway it's before the fall of the republic in the prequel trilogy right oh, cool yoda's in it but he's a young man he's got hair it's crazy right mm. yeah they're gonna do a movie set then but they've opened it up even further they're going back before the high republic to the old republic which used to be canon in the games star wars the old republic is one of the greatest games of all time go and play it but they're going before that. James Mangold just got confirmed as a director for a film that's going to take place called The Dawn of the Jedi. I am so oh, fucking pumped, man. Cool. I am so ready for them to be like, forget everything you know about the Star Wars canon. Yeah, that sounds we like get a, to do whatever the fuck we want That sounds now. a great entry to be like, you don't need to know anything about Star Wars. You don't need to know Wars. anything. This is a whole... You, you, Everybody knows lightsabers, force powers. Everybody knows that shit. But to be able to have freedom to tell a totally new story without any baggage, oh, I'm ready. In terms of like, like that was something that actually like really uh, piqued my curiosity in the game for Fallen Order was the Zetho and the ancient beings. Yeah, that, that, were, I don't that were think force sensitive. I want to say they they come up in the Rebels cartoon as well. Okay, um, which again, this is partly me talking about like Dave Filoni is like setting up or has become the sort of law master of Star Wars, which is why I say like he's he's the new Lucas. Everybody in Star Wars who needs to know. What about this thing from blah, blah, blah? He's, Dave he, knows. He's like that. Like he's that the guy. Core tying everything together. It's been a while since I watched Rebels, but I want to say the Zepho are first mentioned in Rebels and then never expanded upon. And then Fallen Order took it and ran with it. And I love that. I, I just love that, like, that, like, like a hum, humongous expansion of the law and being like, what if we go back like a millennia? Yeah. Because, like, you know, the force is still around. How is it used? Like, like, how did it get from there to where it is now? Just. That kind of exploration, I think, is really cool. Yeah, hundred percent. the The ability to have, um, you know, a, a, a pre Jedi Order force wielding society and explore like what did that mean? The idea maybe there was no specific light side and dark it. side well, yet. You find there wasn't because I don't know if you got far enough in the game. But did you visit Dathomir? 
No. So I uh, I looked it up a little bit um, and and saw but like what the what like why they hate Jedi there and that kind of thing. But um, oh, but do you know what did what did you find? I, I, I don't know a whole lot. I basically looked up as a, again, brief summary because I, w- I didn't able to, wasn't able to finish the game. Um, I really hope they, they get into it in the sequel, but they answered the question in both uh, the Clone Wars TV show, the cartoon, and also in the comic books. But effectively, Darth Vader, like personally, did a genocide on Dathomir. He, oh he came and God. killed everybody. So there's there's part of it is to do with Darth Maul. If you remember Maul from the prequels, yep. uh, he is from Dathomir. He's a Dathomiri, right? Oh, right. Okay. He's a, he's a knight brother. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When you yeah, he had slightly different colorings, but when you see it in the, you're like, oh yeah, spikes on the head. Yeah, yeah, that's him. And that's why, like, on that planet, you can get the double lightsaber. Exactly. So there's a whole like backstory that the game doesn't really get into, but if you know. You're like fuck. This is so cool. Like visiting Dathomir and exploring it. I was like, this is sick. I've always wanted to so see this. So that's Darth Maul's home planet. That's Darth Maul's home planet. Fuck. I wish I'd known that. And that's why there's this little um, the 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 uh, what's her name? Um, uh, oh, I'm killing myself. I can't remember which character. Night sister Marin. Night sister Marin. She's played by. I'm going to look this up. Tina Ivlev. She's Eastern European for some reason. You wouldn't have met this character because you don't unlock her until you proceed significantly further into Dathomir. Yeah. But she is the only surviving Night Sister. So she is a force wielder, but it's more like magic. She doesn't use the force like the Jedi do. On the surface, the Dathomiri planet and the Night Sisters and Night Brothers have always been like in the cartoons and stuff. They're like, they're just like, they're not evil. They just wield the dark side because that's what they do. Fallen Order gets to expand on that and go, actually. It's because the Zepho visited this planet a millennia ago and one of the Zepho who happened to hang out there and I guess rule that planet, he wielded the dark side. But they don't refer to it like that. He's not using the light side or the dark side. He's just it's using just, the force. He's just using the force. He just used it in that very specific way. And then all of Dathomiri culture that evolved out of that, all of their use of this, you know, what appears to be magic but is really just a specific way of using the force – all of that comes from that history. I was like, wow. They literally expanded a whole cultural backstory for a planet that barely shows up in any of the media. Like it's, it's visited in the cartoons and like the comics from, and that's from it. one character from a movie. Yeah. And it suddenly, it blew up. I was like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. So you end up with, uh, you know, this Night Sister's got force powers, but not in the same way. She's got some like heavy grudge against the Jedi. And in the game, they're kind of like, she talks about, it. she's like, you know, people with your lightsabers visited and like killed all my people. And you're like, oh, that sounds really dark. I wonder what happened. She's talking about like the Jedi? No, she's talking about specifically Darth Vader. One dude came and wrecked that whole fucking planet. Like it's wild. She in the game never meets Darth Vader. They never confront one another. I am hanging out for that confrontation in the sequel. Yeah, you reckon that's going to happen? Oh, I think they have to. They had the last remaining night sister goes yeah. up against the guy who murdered like her whole planet. Yeah, you gotta, oh you gotta. God. Do we know why Darth Vader went and decimated the planet? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a fucking hash of this. So don't at me in the comments on this one. But if I remember right, it was specifically to do with um, the the uh, latent ability for Dathomiri to use the Force. It was on the order of Emperor Palpatine. Uh, Darth Maul at this point is off doing other shit in Mandalore. We'll get into that another time. <laughs> That's uh, is it canon still? We don't know. We're gonna. F- I mean, I think it is. Oh wait, because there's a thing. Because like, because Darth Maul died in the first prequel movie, but he's back, isn't he? Yeah, he didn't die. Yeah, and, and they did. They have actually. This is the levels of canon get really confusing. The movies are canon, canon. If it's in the movie, that's legit. It happened. So like in the movie, technically, he's dead. He's dead. 
But in, and spoilers for Han Solo, he does make an appearance in Han Solo. He's in Han Solo? He is in Han Solo for like two seconds. I should, I should watch that one. But they, they basically canonized the cartoon, The Clone Wars, which brought him back uh, in the cartoon. So the, the canon order is like films first, then cartoons, then books, then comics in that order. And then video games is like right down the bottom somewhere. That's changed a little bit. And now it seems to go uh, movies, cartoons, games, everything else. So they've fully canonized that Darth Maul survived the prequels, came back. In the cartoons, I won't go into this too far because it's a massive tangent, but he ends up uh, being king of Mandalore for a little while. They they re-canonized that again when they brought the Clone Wars cartoon back for a final season. They made that like 100% canon. The whole Ahsoka ending... And with the Ahsoka TV show coming out in August, I have a feeling he will have a mention at the very least. What is Ahsoka? I saw the show. Oh, you out. don't know. I have no fucking oh idea. Oh my God, this is so exciting. For anybody listening who knows who Ahsoka is, you're like, good God, this man is about to have his mind blown. Okay. We, I mean, we really are like the two ends of, two ends of, oh, the, of the spectrum here. Like you are full extreme hardcore nerd in the best way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I know nothing. <laughs> so, all right. How to do this without melting your brain. Okay. So the Clone Wars cartoon show takes place in between the prequel films two and three. So Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Right. In that space of time, during which the Clone Wars is raging, it goes for like 10 years or something. I forget exactly. During that space of time, uh, Anakin Skywalker is given a Padawan. Her name is Ahsoka. Oh. Is it, I remember if you could see Pigeon's face. Oh. Was Anakin, but Anakin was never made a master, was he? You are correct. He was knighted. He was never given the title master. But what we learn in the Clone Wars, and this is brought up in like episode one or two, during the Clone Wars, they were running out of master level Jedi. So they were trying to level up their Padawans into knights as fast as possible. It was determined that because Obi-Wan had done enough training with Anakin, even though he wasn't a master, he was capable of teaching a Padawan. And the assumption was if he did a good enough job, it would prove that he was ready to be a master. So there's this whole like- Well, if this, you, this uh, is not explored in the main movies. At, at all, at all, right? She ne- she's never mentioned in the main films until uh, The Mandalorian. She shows up, I want to say it's season two of The Mandalorian. When is The Mandalorian set again? Yeah, this is where it gets fucking weird. Okay, oh fuck. We're gonna, I'm going to get into like the history of fucking Star Wars here. Okay, so The Mandalorian <sighs> is set after Return of the Jedi. And so that, the Empire the, has fallen. Return of the Jedi is the, is the fourth one. Is the sixth- Six one. If yeah. you're going by release order, right, it's it's a, new, the third. a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of so the Jedi. So that's four, five, six. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, okay, cool. So Return of the Jedi is the collapse of the Empire. Palpatine is dead. Asterix. You you <laughs> you end up with basically the New Republic is taking over. They're demilitarizing, and there's there's what they call the remnant of the Empire. And so there's still a bunch of. So the Mandalorian is set after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, but I don't know. If you rewatch season one, you'll start. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Empire's gone. Moff Gideon, huge spoiler. Well, this for the is. I mean, I watched like the first episode, but that was it. I need. I need to. It's not clear. The yeah. Once you get a few more episodes in, they make it super clear that like the Empire has fallen, but they're not gone because it's a galaxy. I do remember spanning. that like opening shot of yeah. like stormtrooper heads like on like spears. Exactly. So in the sick. outer rim, the planets have risen up and they're fighting back against the remnant of the Empire. But the 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 inference there, or well, not the inference really, the the out and out point of what they're doing in Mandalorian is that you can't just blow up the Death Star, kill the Emperor, and the, the whole empire just falls apart. It doesn't work that way. They're, you're taking on a, a governmental system that had a standing army with millions of troops. 
there are whole squadrons of Empire and Star Destroyers still out there terrorizing places and like trying to reform the Empire and strike back, lol. So you end up with, you know, Moff Gideon effectively being like a warlord with his own ships and his own troops because they're still loyal to him and he's still loyal to the dream of the Empire, right? So Ahsoka shows up at that point and what that means is that not only did she survive the Order 66, which we do see at one point in the final season of The Clone Wars, which like if you start looking at release order, you realize a lot of this was patched to make it make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like take that uh, as a grain of salt with all of it, right? Like yeah. a lot of it is written after the fact exactly. to make it work. Yeah, like, oh, hang on, she's still alive? Great, figure out how that worked. So now yep. there's an episode of The Clone Wars where she survives Order 66, etc., etc. But that means Ahsoka was alive through the whole original trilogy, four, five, and six. What was she doing? Nobody knows. I hope we find out. I really do because I'm fucking fascinated by it. There is a book about her and it explains how she finds or gets hold of her new lightsabers, which are white. And there's a whole story as to why that is. And if you want to get really nerdy, I fucking love it. And I'll tell you all about it. But in the, so she shows up in Mandalorian confirming that she survived the fall of the empire and is still around. Not only that, but she meets Luke and hangs out with Luke Skywalker, which means Luke gets to ask her questions about his dad before he became Darth Vader. Now, and before Luke knows that he's his dad? Or? No, no. This is after. He's already he's already dead. Oh the God. Empire has fallen. Oh, okay, right. But it's Luke yeah. barely gets to spend any time with his dad before he dies. Right? Like, again, spoilers for Return of the Jedi. But basically, he, he, he I guess, saves Anakin, right? Because there's a force ghost who looks like Anakin. Let's not get into why that is. Anyway, so there's this moment where they sort of realize, yes, there is still good in Darth Vader. But that was it. He dies like 30 seconds after that happens. So Luke gets zero closure on who his dad was, why he became Darth Vader, any of that. But now knowing that he gets to meet Ahsoka, we don't have any backstory on what they talked about when they had these discussions, what was it like, but it must have happened. There's no way that they hung out at this new Jedi school that Luke's starting up and Ahsoka's like hanging out for a day. There's no way he wasn't like, tell me about my dad. And she was like, well, Luke, I'll tell you about the greatest Jedi I ever knew. And you're like, I, I, my, I'm getting goosebumps. I want to see that so badly. I want to hear it. I want to read it. I don't care how they do it. They can make a fucking audio book. I would listen to it. It would be incredible. So they've got a new show coming out in August, Ahsoka. Um, and that will be, that, as far as I'm aware, that takes place after The Mandalorian. So it's not her backstory anymore. We're getting new content with her. She's following up the cartoon series Rebels, which she does feature in also which takes place leading into uh, Star Wars A New Hope, the, the Battle of uh, Yavin. So they, the Star Wars calendar, you may know this pigeon, but I'm certain I read mm -hmm. as well. Um, the Star Wars calendar, you know how we have like BCE, before Common Era, and then like AD? Yep. Um, which I forget what it means, Ad Dominus or whatever, it's after the birth of Jesus, which I think is stupid. But anyway, um, or we call it Common Era. So in Star Wars, they have BBY, and that's before the Battle of Yavin, or ABY, after the Battle of Yavin. So everything in the Star Wars timeline is measured on the first film released, Star Wars A New Hope. When that climax oh, of that okay. film takes place, that's their version of everything either happens before this or after this, and that's how we measure everything. Okay. So Ahsoka takes place well and truly ABY, uh, and it takes place after the fall of the Empire, but before the sequel trilogy. So we might get to see a young Kylo Ren. 
we might get to see her chasing up Ezra Bridges. Did he survive? Pigeon has no idea who this is. But I know I'm, who Kylo Ren is. You know who <laughs> Kylo Ren is. I'm very excited to find out what happened to Ezra. We're going to meet a character named Thrawn. And if you've seen the trailer for Ahsoka, you, you will not know who I'm talking about unless you follow the canon. But you should be extremely pumped to oh, see dude, a live-action Thrawn. This is all going over my head, but yeah. I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thrawn is a blue guy. He's from a different place that is not the main galaxy that Star Wars takes place in. And how do you how do you spell Thorn? I'm gonna look so up. So Thorn is uh, T H R A W N. I'm not gonna try and pronounce his real name because I will fuck it up. Um, oh, I saw like an image of this in one of the recent announcements. Yeah, because yep. everybody's talking about it. Nobody's confirming who's playing it. It's definitely Lars Mikkelsen. If it's not Lars Mikkelsen, I will eat my hat. Didn't that get announced? I don't. Not, not officially. Massive, massive rumors. Oh, he's okay. denied it publicly, but he's denied it in the same way that like. Anyone who's actually been yeah, in the Disney thing is exactly. Yeah. He's never going to admit it until they say it out loud, but it's definitely him. So he voices Thrawn in the cartoon, and everyone is fucking pumped to see him do it live action. That character was one of the favorite characters from the extended universe, and when that got made non-canon, everybody was so mad about Thrawn not being a thing anymore. But then they brought him back. They canonized him again, and now everyone's like, "Oh shit, Thrawn is real!" Like. No major spoilers here if you don't know what's going on, but let's just say in the Ahsoka trailer, they call him uh, the heir to the Empire. That's very real. Like Ooh. if they were going to retcon the sequel films, they would do it this way. They would do it with Thrawn and he would be a much better villain than Snoke. Oh, so I don't know where they're going with it, um, but there's a lot of loose plots they could tie up. And what I think is interesting is that we're starting to see stuff like uh, Fallen Order and Obi-Wan bringing some of these exterior or, or, or previously non-canon elements and bringing them into live action. So we can confirm, for example, that Cal Kestis, who is played, by the way, by Cameron Monaghan, uh, will show up at some point in live action. He will. A hundred percent we will see him. And he'll be played by Cameron Monaghan. So what we're seeing is that if you're watching a video game or a cartoon and that character is voiced by somebody famous, there is a pretty good chance that that famous person is also playing that character in live action. Like not always, but it's getting pretty common. And that's always going to be a big thing too. We're like for those ultra dedicated fans watching the new show or the new movie and seeing that person come up in a different like oh, format. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's always huge. Seeing Cal Kestis show up live action in like a huge cinematic moment. For oh, those who know be, who he is, yeah. it's going to be incredible. Exactly. So I think this is why I'm so into Star Wars in that. Oh, it's very, it's very easy to see like why Star Wars works and why people are into it. I've, yeah. I've just like, my situation is my brother growing up, huge Star Wars fan, still is, big, big hardcore, loves it. Um, I don't know if it was because he was my brother into it, but I was very like ambivalent and like not as much into it. But but like that ongoing dedicated fan base and that ongoing storyline, that ongoing like support for for that fan base and that community, and you know if you want me to look at the cynical side of things, that money maker for Disney, oh, yeah, um, gotta get them toys. Yeah, I mean much. I've got a stuffed porg. I can't. Fuck I'm not it. gonna throw stones at that glass house. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's ve it's very easy and to understand and see why it works. Yeah, like like it's, like again, it's it's a it's a clear cut recipe, right? Hundred percent. I say this as somebody who has two lightsabers upstairs in my office right now. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Why not? I I, I paid the money. I went to That's I went to Disneyland, Disney World rather, and I did the Galaxy's Edge, and I I did it. I paid the money. I think it's absurd, but I love them. It's even like in Fallen Order. Like none of it's actually necessary for the game, but with all the exploration and all the chests you can open, you can unlock parts to customize your lightsaber. It's so much fun customizing the lightsaber. The 
the the fact that you again spoilers for the game you wouldn't have got this far but there's a moment where he gets to create a new type of lightsaber which is both double bladed and can be split and used as dual lightsabers oh, it's cool. extremely cool and at that moment you get to customize each half differently and you weren't able to do that until this part of the game and you get to have like you could have like a like a, a green and the blue yeah and you're like half of it can be in reference to his master right and the other half can be in reference to his own lightsaber or his new master, one could argue, Seer. And so you're like, the lightsaber now is not just customizable because it's fun, but it's actually referencing where Cal has come from and the journey that he's been on to get here. That's awesome. And I was like, that's fucking sick. That's what a lightsaber should be, right? It's a story about the person who wields it. We don't see that enough, I think, in the films, but again, they probably just don't have time oh, to get into it. I've got, I've got a question because like- Yeah, go on. With Fallen Order and playing through and, and the force being used- as video game mechanics in different ways. I was like, I don't know or remember if this force was used like this in any way in the movies. So like, yeah. so like um, echoes and finding out like the story of objects and memories and then like uh, using the force as like a bit of energy that, that you can kind of suck up and slow things down. And oh, I suppose slow, slowing things and holding things is uh, used. But yeah, a lot of that mechanics, like specifically the echo memories mm. from the force. Is that is that a thing or is that just like it's something not, new for the game? It's not in any of... Okay, I should clarify this. It's not new for the game. That force power has existed for a while, but it's never shown up in live action. So the what this refers to, there's a name for this and I'm going to fuck this up, but it's, it's using the force to learn the history of an object or get the memories... The first time this shows up in live action was in Rey in uh, The Force Awakens. She can do it. Now, we're not going to get into why that's problematic and why she can do every fucking Force power. Blah, 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 blah. What's meant to be canon, I think anyway, is that not every Jedi has every power. Some of them are better at certain things. And it's why you get people like Darth Vader slash Anakin, who's like super overpowered in like choking people, throwing people, crushing shit lightsaber combat right but he doesn't have this one he doesn't have the the force kinesis thing of like learning the history of an object can't do it um you know kylo ren has this ability to get into people's heads and like read their memories as far as i know no other jedi has that power or at least none, none of the canon ones do. oh the uh the third sister you know Obi-Wan kenobi had that power exactly right? yeah so they they start to the films generally will like introduce a new thing and then the extended canon builds on it but the objects with memory power actually predates The Force Awakens. It shows up in books and at least in the comics, it showed up a few times. Okay, interesting. It's a very good plot device for a character to need exposition without having them be like- Or oh, it's audio recordings. Exactly, it's audio <laughs> yeah. recordings, right? So in the in the books and stuff, they use it as a way to be like, this is how the character in the book knows a thing that the audience knows or the reader knows without having to be like, hey, Jerry, what happened in blah, 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 blah. So it's just like a more interesting way to do exposition. Turns out extremely useful for games because audio logs, right? What do you what do you like collecting in your action RPG? Audio audiobooks. It's logs, it's data entries, it's all that sort of shit. So it made a lot of sense for Cal to have that power. What's interesting is in the books, it's it's not usually something they can control. And you see that with Ray when she uses it in The Force Awakens. I think she gets it for the first time, I think, when she touches um what is what is Anakin's original lightsaber, uh. the blue one, um, and you end up with like this just hilarious moment of her like basically getting a flashback and freaking out and being like, "What the fuck was that?" Because no one explains to her what that was. And if I remember correctly, 
no one at any point in this in the new sequels explains to her what the fuck is happening. So she's just tripping out. She's just tripping out. She just has this thing where she touches stuff and sometimes it gives her a crazy vision. And she's like, was that the past? Was that the future? Was that real? No one tells her. It's crazy. But in the idea is with Cal, that's his like shtick. His main force power is that he can do that. Yep. He can do it really well. And he can sometimes choose when to do it. But there is a beautiful moment uh, right towards the end of the game. And I think it's, you don't beat her, but it's when the second sister is like, or it might be the ninth sister, I can't remember, but it's one of them throws down hard and basically gets away stealing this holocron by throwing or, or, or surrendering her lightsaber to Cal. And he grabs it and he's like, I've got you now. But then it kicks off his psychic power and he gets this intense, hardcore PTSD flashback of all the torture that the Inquisitor went through to become who she is because it's right. all imbued in the lightsaber. Yeah, I remember that being uh, shown in like the summer video I watched because yeah. you see like the, the, like the flashback and see Sia use the dark side. Which exactly. Is why she doesn't use the force anymore. Yeah, and so you're like, oh shit, it can be used against him. And that, I think that's the first time I've seen that intentionally. Somebody like fucking with a force sensitive skill like that to, to mess with the wielder. That's cool. Oh, that was very cool. So that one that one is technically, uh, it has shown up in live action, but it predates its live action thing. Most force powers are shown in live action and then canonized everywhere else. So the freezing of blaster bolts, the first time that happens in canon is also in The Force Awakens. With Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren does it. Yep. That then shows up in Fallen Order. You can do that as well. Oh. And of course it's wild because when you saw Kylo Ren do it, it was like, he must be so strong. I've never seen this before. What an incredible power. And then they're like, no, no, Cal could do it. He's not even that strong, but he could do it. Any, any, any Jedi could have done it. They just didn't. You're like, yeah, okay, fair enough. I suppose it makes sense too when you're freezing like uh, fan blades yeah. and stuff and you're not actually like holding it there. They just stop for just, a bit and you can yeah. move. That, I think it was interesting. It works for game mechanics. And the bit that you brought up about having like a, I guess you'd call it like a stamina bar for force, force powers. Yeah. Like you can run out. You never truly run out. And the idea is like, you can't run out of stamina in most of these games either. There's always a minimum amount that you can wield. And it's like, that's enough to get off one shot of any of your powers one time. But then you have to do something else to try to build it back up again. That I think hasn't really been shown in any of the Star Wars media. No, I think that's really just a video it's game. It's really mechanic. for the video game. But I also like that it does give a kind of a canon reason why Jedi don't always just max out and use their full strength all the time. Like in Obi-Wan, for example, tying it back into that, there's this fantastic fight sequence between Obi-Wan and Vader yeah. where Obi-Wan apparently is like just exhausted. Like he's just tired and he's not using his abilities. He hasn't connected to the force in a really long time and he's trying to use it and he's just weak as piss. And you're like, oh, Obi-Wan, what is happening? You used to be buff as fuck in the force. What's going on? Now I can kind of look at it and go, oh, I get it. He's just down to one stamina bar. He's just he just needs to rank his stamina back up. You know, he needs to collect some force echoes or do some parries and he'll be able to take on Darth Vader again. But then even if he, like when he does get powerful again, it's not like that he can run out of stamina in a battle because like it's more about like that years of not being connected to the force. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's more of like a larger thing rather than like, hey, you're in a battle, you're fighting Darth Vader. Uh, your force power has weakened. You gotta, yeah. you gotta do a little bit of damage to bring it back up. It's like a, it's like a, like a muscle. You gotta exercise it a bit to get yeah. yourself back in fighting form. And they do that in Fallen Order with Sia. She has intentionally disconnected herself from the force at the beginning of the game. And right at the end, she has this great moment where she basically saves you from Vader. And that's her flexing her force muscles for the first time in a long time. And it nearly kills her. Like Vader is not fucking around. It's one of the, my favorite sequences in a game. And it shows you how terrifying Darth Vader actually would be. Why was Vader in the game, by the way? 
Okay, so Vader in the game is there because he is in charge of the Inquisitors, which which is revealed a bit more in Obi-Wan. Yep. But the idea is that one of his many jobs from the Emperor, because the Emperor is busy, he doesn't want to have to concentrate on this shit. He has like delegated hunting down the rogue Jedi to Darth Vader. That's Darth Vader's primary job. And they get into it a lot in the comics and the books and stuff. What is Darth Vader doing while the Empire is growing and expanding? He's hunting down the Jedi that survived the Purge. That's his job. So he's got the Inquisitors to do this for him. They're his like task force. But also he's sort of like, it's a test really. He doesn't, he doesn't give them full oversight. He mm. just says, go get the Jedi. And when they get, when they do well, they get a pat on the back. Congrats, you get a promotion, you did a great job. But when they fail him, he fucking murders them. Yeah. So there's this great sequence where you finally are beating the sister, which is Sia's previous Padawan, uh, Trilla. And there's this fantastic moment where she's like about to come good. She's like, fuck, you're right. I, I have made a mistake. I could have been fighting on the side of right this whole time. God damn it. My master didn't actually betray me like... I, I have let my own emotions overwhelm and corrupt me in brackets. That's what the dark side does. And out of nowhere, literally nowhere, you start hearing the like, <laughs> and you're like my fucking, I got goosebumps. I was like, oh shit. Oh, uh, the show made, like plays into that right? so much as well. It's the same that you see in the major spoilers for Rogue One. But again, you know how that movie ends because it leads directly into A New Hope. But Vader turns up and they show him like in a darkened hallway. Yep. And the first thing you hear is the sound. Yep. And then you see the red lightsaber. Yep. It's basically that moment again. You, you're seeing Trilla's face and you're hearing the breathing and you're like, oh fuck. And then out of nowhere, he like stabs her through the back with the lightsaber and you're like, he just killed Trilla. We thought we were about to save her and get out of here. Nah, you're fucked. Vader's here. He's going to wreck his I shit. I love a good, huge character death. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh my God. It's such a powerful moment where you're like, I understand now why everyone was so terrified of Vader. Because if all you saw was the original trilogy, yeah, he's like an imposing guy. He's scary. But like- Luke fucking handles him, you know? Like like if Luke, a dude with no training, can can go hand to hand and not die, how tough can Vader really be? But you realize that's Vader 20 years after he was first turned, his body is failing, like he's not in a good state. During the events of Fallen Order and Obi-Wan, that is peak Vader. That is like he has been terrorizing the galaxy. In Obi-Wan, when he's coming into that town and like uh, Obi-Wan's there hiding and he's walking through and like just like going through to yeah. townspeople and one of them, he just like, just like waves his hand, snaps his neck and tosses him to the side. Incredible. It was like, holy shit. You get how imposing and scary that is when he like, he's gone full dark side, man. He's embraced it and he's powerful as shit. So yeah, basically Vader shows up at the end of the game and there's a moment where you can try to fight him and he will just, he will just slap you around. Like he just fucks with you. Then the game is like, dude, run away. You are supposed to be running away. You cannot fight Darth Vader. Yep. So you're running and the whole time you're running, there's like the music and the bass is falling apart and you're hearing the like, and you're just like, he's right behind me. Motherfucker is right behind me. And you're running and running and running. You finally get to this elevator and it turns into a cutscene, and you're like, no. Like somehow having the control made it less frightening because you could just keep running. The minute the game stops and it's like, no, no, watch what happens. You're like, oh no. <laughs> Cal can't get the fucking elevator working. The door isn't closing quick enough. Vader is like right there. It's brilliant. It works in the same way that that final fight scene in Obi-Wan works where you know neither of them are going to die, but it is intense. But it's still high stakes. It's still high stakes. It's and super that, intense. That design and like that, uh, like showing more of that perspective into, into Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan show yeah. was so cool. Like they showed more, and, and the parallels when they show Vader like in the vat 
uh, and yeah. have, having like hooked up to all the tubes and stuff and then having Obi-Wan like recovering from the burns yeah. in a similar vet and, and like having that kind of like flashback or like or like that like you know flash between the different shots of the two characters fucking awesome I'll tell you what I'm gonna I'm gonna say something controversial here George Lucas was fucking right Star Wars is best when it's poetry when it rhymes okay oh, Pe- yeah. people will be like oh Star Wars is action blah 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 no Star Wars is you space opera Oh yeah, but you, you can still have like good action moments. Oh yeah, but like that's that's not only what Star Wars is about. At its core, it is space opera. It is over the top as fuck. I it's mean, good versus evil in a fundamental level. Like if you're not embracing how ridiculous that is and going, it's, li- I mean, it's literally white versus black. Yeah, yeah, like blue, red, like good, evil. Like yeah. you can't get any more clear cut than that. No, nah. and so they have these beautiful moments of like. He literally, you know, it's a, it's it's turned into a meme of him being like, it's like poetry, it rhymes, but it fucking does, it does. Watching the the story or playing through the story of Fallen Order feels like Obi Wan because you're watching the same themes. It's themes of like betrayal. It's themes of the temptation to the dark side and how much easier it is to give in to those temptations. It's these themes of the master and the apprentice. What happens when that relationship falls apart? How do you how do you lean on that relationship? for the betterment, you know? What do you do when you're having to deal with jealousy or fear or anger and all these things that bleed into the dark side? So I just, it's, it is poetry, it does rhyme, and I love that. I love that, um, here's one for you. you, you won't have seen this, but one of my favorite parts of that last episode, when Obi-Wan is fighting Vader and he cracks his helmet and you can just see a bit of Hayden Christensen's face. Oh, I was gonna say, like that imagery and that shot w- was so, Awesome and stunning, and it's also like uh, the the design of like the helmets, even just the stormtroopers and Vader being like just skulls, right? And then and then having a crack of like his fucked up face with yeah. the skull and the and the red and the blue lighting, it was like, oh, this is this is just incredible. I'm gonna blow your mind. That's the second time that's happened in Star Wars with the crack in the face. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. So that one when you're seeing uh, him talk, when you're seeing uh, Vader and Obi Wan talking, and Vader is basically like. You know, you you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did, and you're like, oh shit, that's him. And then admitting everyone, it, right? everyone's like, instead of Anakin's, like, goodbye, Darth. Yeah, <laughs> which kind of like I get that was a little bit dumb, but it's fan servicey because it's leading into why he calls him Darth in A New Hope. Anyway, the first time that happened is Ahsoka faces off with Vader in the Rebels cartoon, oh. and they have a massive fight, and it's this whole moment of, um, again, Ahsoka didn't show up in live action until The Mandalorian. So she was canon in the cartoon, but was never canon in live action until that moment. So we all figured the last time we were going to see her was when she fights Vader in this big temple thing. And he's like, so the apprentice lives. And you're like, oh shit. They have this massive fight. And you realize this is a Padawan versus a master in the same way that Vader versus Obi-Wan is a Padawan versus a master. Yeah, fuck. Right, it's fucking poetry. She ends up cracking his helmet, and we and she sees like a young Vader. Like he looks a lot closer to Hayden Christensen than he does in Obi Wan, and and you, he's like, "I'm gonna kill you." Anakin is dead. Like you do not understand. I have lost everything. Killing my Padawan would be the icing on the cake of where I am right now. And she's like, "I gotta get the fuck out of here." And she barely escapes with her life. But we don't even know that she lives until significantly later on. Yeah. So there's a whole moment where a lot of people who are Ahsoka fans were like, oh, she died there. She didn't get out of the temple. Or if she did, she must've died not long after. Seeing her back and the fact that she survived the fall of Vader and the Empire, you're like, oh God, I can't wait to see where she goes next. It's so cool. And like, and like her character development, like to, during that time period would be yeah. like, like insane. Yeah. 
this is like the 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 core of Star Wars being that like light versus dark, good versus evil, master and apprentice. It it leads into those classic, you know, operatic style novels from way back in the, like Anna Karenina and shit, where it's like fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, yeah. and like empires and shit like that. That's what Star Wars is about. So I think it's it's fascinating that. They I managed mean, to even, ground it. Even like on that, you, you, like the original movie, it's basically, it's a Western in space. You look at the good, the bad, the ugly. They're, yeah. they're all just like, like operas as well, right? It's opera, yeah. Western cowboy. Yeah. But now it's like sci-fi space wizards with swords. Yeah. It's your big feelings, big emotions, big movements. That's what it's about. So I love that they can somehow ground that into something that works as a TV show. Where yeah. You're like seeing Obi-Wan save Leia and fight Vader. And then they both get away. It's a pyrrhic victory for Obi-Wan, and we know that. But we also know that he's going to come good in the next film, right? But you you don't need that for the show to work. The show works on those stakes that suddenly go from the fall of the Empire, big, good versus evil, blah, 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 and they drag it right down into fathers and sons, masters and apprentices. And it's that like intense betrayal of Obi-Wan feels like he failed. And that is, that is poetry, and it rhymes with Fallen Order. Seer feels like she failed Trilla. You know, you've got um, uh, Cal feels like he failed his master. Yeah. Um, whose name escapes me at this point, but I'll, I'll find it later. Well, he's having having like uh, PTSD dreams. Exactly. About like the, the master being being like, you aren't good enough. You betrayed us. You, betray- yeah. you betrayed your uh, calling. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. His master was Jaro Tapal. So you, you, you what, actually- what a, what a boss name. I know, right? I don't know if you would have seen this, and how far you played through. But in the game, you actually get to play through Order 66 being called while Cal and his master are on a on a ship. I didn't play through that part, but yeah. I, did, I did like find out about it. It's an incredible sequence because you're watching- And there's a moment where you're fighting him as well. Yeah, that's that happens as a, a force illusion. Yeah. That's, a, that's kind of a dream sequence for lack of a better term. You and it's that's the moment where Cal has to overcome those intense feelings. Where instead of what you're getting with Obi Wan, where he feels like he let down Anakin, he let this happen. It's the inverse of that. Cal feels like he let down his master. That somehow by surviving and running away, he's betraying the memory of his master. He's betraying the memory of the Jedi. Like he's not living up to his potential, and so he has to fight his master. And it turns out, spoilers: the way to survive that encounter is to not fight your master. Yeah. Yep. And it's that idea that he does embody the Jedi by surviving, by continuing. He is, in fact, fulfilling that Jedi dream, right? It's beautiful. The, the fact that they can dig into these interpersonal feelings and that that's where it all kind of comes from is like, oh, I get it. The stakes of Star Wars are simultaneously my own personal feelings of betrayal or of greed or of fear or of jealousy just ramped into the scope of the galaxy, the galaxy-spanning empire. And you're like, I get it. Good versus evil is also inside each of us. And you're like, yeah, man, I can't wait for Dave to like, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but there, there's some rumors circling around about the trailer for Ahsoka and some characters that show up in it. If you're into it, you know, you know, right? Like if you're a Star Wars nerd like me, you've already read it. You know what I'm talking about. It'll be fascinating to see how they can ramp that up, knowing what we know about Ahsoka and the fact that she clearly never got a final confrontation with Vader. Mm. You know, he, he died on the Death Star, you or Death Star 2. So there's this thing of Luke got closure but never knew his father. Ahsoka knew Anakin on a deep, deep, deep level. They were together for years. They fought both like together and against one another. All of that backstory, but she got zero closure on his death. Nothing. So 
I'm hoping they dig into that a little bit and we get to see what does that do for her character when her stakes are different now. She's not fighting this personal battle. What is she doing? She's not trying to rebuild the Jedi Order. That's pretty clear. She's off doing something else. I'm like, I, I want to see Star Wars embrace that more. Because also like her being a Jedi would be like, she would be pretty drawn to like doing something that's important, like would have a calling to her. She's not doing the obviously important thing. Like what is the other thing yeah. that she's feels like she can't like go away from? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the major themes I'm trying to like lean into here with what they're doing with Star Wars is this call to a higher purpose. Yeah. The it's okay. So Ahsoka, major spoilers for her. I think it must have been Clone Wars. I don't think it was Rebels, but she actually leaves the Jedi Order. She is not a Jedi. She never reached the rank of Master. Uh, I don't even think she ended up a Knight. So she left before graduating, basically. And there's a whole sequence of events that follow what happened to her afterwards. But there's this thing that, like, at her core, at the core of everyone who was a Jedi, there is something that drives them to that higher purpose. And I love that Star Wars gets to do that. And they're like, Obi-Wan is at his lowest when he thinks that he's following that higher purpose by, like, staying away from young Luke. He's sort of keeping that distant eye on him. But actually, he's closed himself off to the Force He's not doing anything. You know, he's going through the motions. He's got a shit job. He's he, It's drudgery. And then there's this beautiful moment where he gets the opportunity to do something more and do something important in going after and saving Leia. And you're like, it, it awakens this thing inside him where he's like, oh, fuck yeah. I do love that shit. I should be doing that. And you're like, yeah, man. I is, think that's great. Is, is it love that shit or, or, or feel like, like he has to? Like he, It's he, kind of both. Yeah. And I think you see that in the show. The first couple of episodes, he is so on the fence. He's like, I don't want to do it. It's the wrong thing to do. I'm going to fuck up. It's, it's almost and, like he's given up being like, look for someone else. I, yeah. I, I'm i not the person for this. And that's that's his own self-doubt. That's him going, I let Anakin down. I did a shit job of being a Jedi. If you bring me back into it, I'll fuck up again. He he blames himself for what happened to Anakin and the, and the fall of the Republic. And he, and he almost does. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is why it works. When Star Wars is working well, it's it's using those small internal stakes of self-doubt and fear and and am I good enough? Am I living up to what I'm supposed to be living up to? Which we can all vaguely relate to in some way, but then it manages to like elevate those into galactic stakes and you're like, "Oh my god, his feelings of am I good enough?" You're like, "Obi-Wan, snap out of it. Like you have to go and save Leia. You got to do it, man." Halfway through that adventure, he's like, oh yeah, I was a sick Jedi. I could fucking do this. And then he's fighting Vader and he's like, it's all coming back. It's all crashing down. Yeah. I'm fucking up again. Luke's going to die. Leia's going to die. It's all my fucking fault. I should have stayed home. But then he kind of comes good and he gets away and you're like, Obi-Wan, do you see? Do you but, understand? And then he almost leads them to uh, Luke on Tatooine. Yeah, he really does. And you kind of realize how close, and I guess this is the point of why the Obi-Wan show was made and why it works, they've managed to make you kind of go, you knew Obi-Wan was going to live and you knew that Luke was going to live. They were never truly in danger because you've seen a new hope. You yeah. know what happens. You, you, know, you know that ultimately by the end of this, things are going to be fine. Yeah. Like, re, like realistically, like grand scheme, this show doesn't actually have any stakes. No. And yet. But you're, if you, you're there for the ride you and, you're, and you're there following it, then like you are there through the, for the journey through and through. Yeah. yeah. And you end up with that like, oh my God, they came so close to losing everything. Goodness gracious me. But it, it works on that deeper level where by the end of it, Obi-Wan is sure that he's doing the right thing, staying on Tatooine to, to keep an eye on Luke, but he's also no longer trying to close himself off to the Force. And in doing so, he gets to meet his former master, Qui-Gon Jinn. 
Incredible, right? Great reveal there. I'm so glad they brought Liam Neeson back for that. Like, stunning. Yeah. It also explains a lot about how Obi-Wan knew how to become a Force ghost in A New Hope, because that, again, is never expanded on in the movies. Not every Jedi does that. In fact, almost none of them do that. There's like four or five of them ever who have managed to learn that trick, and I'm pretty sure Yoda was the first. And Yoda teaches, uh, or Yoda learns how to do it, teaches Qui-Gon Jinn, and Qui-Gon's the first one who actually becomes a Force ghost, but then never shows up until the Obi-Wan TV show. Yeah. Or like, like he shows up at the end of... Um, or I don't think he's. I don't think he does show up at the end of Return of the Jedi. They get um, not unless it's from like the remaster. Yeah, no. Like, they, they get they, they, they get Yoda. After. They get Obi Wan, and they get Anakin. Yeah, this is the bit that pisses people off. How the fuck did Anakin slash Darth Vader know how to become a Force ghost? Nobody taught him how to do that. No. Everybody else who's done it, is somebody it, explained it. Is this that powerful, or more it's rather, more powerful. rather yeah, to the point, it's a nice like resolution moment for the end of the movie. I think that's it. It just works well, but it's it's just like this is this is just a nice moment. I will, and I will, then, and, then, and then they'll work out like after the fact that I do with a lot of the writing yeah. for other um, entries into the franchise how to how how, how the fuck does this actually reverse work? canonization? Yeah, yeah. I I think the talking about that actually leads me to like kind of my my last note that I wrote here was to do with the fan base, right? So a lot of what happens in Star Wars, especially the movies, it divides fans, shall we say? Mm. So. Darth Vader slash Anakin appearing as a force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi. How? Explain that, right? Some fans get pissed off by it. Other fans will bend over backwards to explain some fucked up canon reason why I mean, that could work. I mean, this is also another thing too, right? And like uh, clearly Star Wars is a very specific IP that like they would want to overexplain everything because everything is so over canonized and messy and, and kind of ridiculous. But it's also like, in general, not just Star Wars, but it's like, do you need to explain every single little matter. minor detail? Definitely it, not. It doesn't matter. And the fact that like, when you think about Star Wars being that like space opera and being silly and being a, 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 like not so serious all the time, you don't need to explain everything. In fact, sometimes there's a bit of magic if you don't explain everything. And that is why The Last Jedi is the best goddamn movie. Anyway, <laughs> it, the worst part about being a Star Wars fan is other Star Wars fans. It is, <laughs> it is by far the most aggressive and toxic and just obnoxious fan base, for sure. Like Marvel's getting close, but Star Wars had that shit down pat decades ago. It is the worst part of it. Every single time something shows up in live action or in the cartoons or whatever, dozens, hundreds of people are on the Reddit or on Twitter railing on like, this is bullshit. How did this happen? Blah, 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 blah. And I think a lot of it, you do just have to take a step back and go, guys, it's fucking cool. The reason it's in the movie, it's fucking cool. Wait, why do we have Star Wars to begin with? It's fucking robots yeah. and, and laser swords and wizards yeah. and, and flying shit in space. Just enjoy it. Just Mate. let it be cool. Just, just, just turn your brain off a bit and just sit back for the ride. Yeah. I mean, having said that, I, I do enjoy, especially the way the game did it, Fallen Order, where you build Cal up to being op as fuck. Yeah. What really annoyed the shit out of me is the new game plus, if you've already beaten it, you don't get to carry over your force points. Why? What is the point of a new game plus? Well, the whole th the whole point of a new game plus is so you have all the stuff and everything is yeah. like overpowered from the start. All you get to keep is your collectibles, like your ponchos and oh, your fuck fucking. That. Yeah, it's so dumb. I hated that. Note to the devs: if that sequel comes out with that same problem, I'll riot. But <laughs> this is what I mean about like it is it is a lot of fun to to be able to build that character up and unlock these force powers. I'm like that gamifying that aspect makes a lot of sense. In canon, it makes no sense. Yeah. Why has Cal forgotten how to do a double jump? It doesn't, why would he not know how to do that power? He learned it as a Padawan for years and suddenly he's like, 
I needed to touch a special force echo so that I could unlock my hidden memories bullshit. But it works in games. It works. Well, it's because you need like it's a like mechanic progression yeah. in the game, right? Like that, yeah. that that's the reason. I think like it's, same, a, it's the same thing as like why does this happen in the movie? It's because it's convenient for the narrative. It's convenient for the narrative. It's, it works, you know. Yeah. And I think that where people jump online and go, "This makes no fucking sense." I'm like, "That's fine, dude. It doesn't." Oh, have to make there was sense. one moment actually. It just made me remember in um, Obi Wan Kenobi when uh, Leia is falling off the roof and uh, Obi Wan is at the top and using the force to like slow her down and like she lands. He's on top of this big building, right? And then the next shot, he just walks around the side of the building from the ground. I'm like, like it wasn't even five seconds. You were just up there. How the fuck did you get there? I mean, again, it's just a convenient. It's just convenient. It's the writers being like, we're not going to worry about it. Like he's just there. They're moving on. Don't worry about it. But but it was such like a a blatant like shot by shot being like, wait, what? That what? (laughs) It's either it's either he jumped and used his force magic, which you can assume since he just did it with Leia, right? Yeah, or we just didn't want to film him running down like 20 flights of stairs. Yeah. Could, yeah. could, but, but maybe he did. He yeah. just ran very fast. Who we knows? don't want to film that, but hey, in Fallen Order, we're going to spend so much fucking time oh my God. climbing and, and platforming and sliding. That opening sequence when you're going through the, the scrapyard yeah. and, and you're climbing up and you're jumping and all the sliding and going on like the rails and stuff. As soon as that was happening for like half an hour, I realized like, oh, this is going to be like the mechanics for the entire game. That's the game. Here's this is the tutorial. Yeah. I hope you like fucking platforming and climbing shit because that's what and this game is. And sliding and timing jumps. That that there was so many times where like I kept fucking falling off a ledge and dying just because I, I couldn't time the jump off a slide right. Yeah, yeah, it pissed me off so much. <laughs> there's there's something to be said for they understood enough about why Star Wars is fun to make a lot of the gameplay fun. Yeah. But that whole shit, that's tacked on. They've they've lifted that from all those action RPGs and like you said, the Tomb Raiders, the Uncharted's, blah, 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 yeah. blah. We can get into a little bit that the game director, um, Stig, Stig Armisen, one of the games he made before this was God of War 3, which also oh. has a shitload of platforming and climbing yeah, and sliding. That makes a lot of sense. So like, oh, I get it. I see it. When you, when you see that happening... It, it is annoying that it makes up such a huge chunk of the game and that a lot of it is really difficult and finicky and like platforming that's finicky shits me to tears, but it is a good gameplay mechanic. Like it makes sense why Platforming they that like works well can actually be a lot of fun, but it's it's such a, a fine balance between Very it being, fine being fun or like just fucking frustrating. Yeah. And it's, you, don't, you don't see that in Star Wars. They do show it a little bit in the cartoons, I think. They show like the Jedi having these really big jumps and landing from really high falls and all this sort of stuff. But it doesn't translate very well to live action. For one, doing stunts like that is really quite difficult, expensive, awkward. Like, and you'd have to add like some kind of VFX. Exactly. It ends up being VFX heavy. Although, and like then it's, in, you know. in the game, seeing the second sister or the ninth sister or whatever she is, and like dashing and jumping like really fast side to side, immediately she's coming onto the front of the ship, forcing on the on the uh, steering wheel and kind of like getting them to crash. Like it's very cool, and she seems like like so powerful and so fucking terrifying. It was like holy shit. This is yeah. this is awesome. It's stuff like that that I, I hope we see in shows like Ahsoka. And there's a new one that's going to come out later this year. Or might, I think it's next year called Acolyte, uh, which is set in the High Republic era. It's stuff like that where if you're going to have a TV show or a film with like, yeah, okay, let's go overpowered as fuck Jedi or, or Sith or whatever. Use the force powers. Show me some crazy shit. Spend the money on the stunts, etc. But... Not every show needs that. And I think, again, we won't do spoilers, but I'll tell you this for free. 
there is no Jedi in Andor. There's no lightsabers. And it the show manages to be an incredible spy thriller because it doesn't need That's what need I'm enjoying that. so much about it. it. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, uh, need yeah. the over-the-top action, whatever, because that's not the show. So again, I haven't finished it, so I actually don't want to be spoiled about yeah, it. Yeah, no, no spoilers. But, but, it's, but it's the kind of thing, like, it's, it's exploring, uh, you know, the bureaucracy of the Empire and the, and, and the corruption in it and, yeah. and like and what people do just to move on with the shit that's happening. Exactly. Um, I want to see and more then, of that. And then on both sides, right, it's the same stuff but with the rebels as well. It's so, like, like it's not a perspective I've seen from something in Star Wars and I'm really enjoying it. I, I think I'm hopeful that we'll see more. I doubt we're going to get movies in that vein. I think Rogue One was as close as we're ever going to get. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're not getting a sequel to that, but... Well, there already is. Arguably there is, yeah. <laughs> But I do think there's room for exploration in the the rest of the canon. So like, yeah, more TV shows, like obviously Andor's getting another season, but like more TV shows, I would love to read a book that that is a bit more in the vein of like the Thrawn books, but set in the Empire, because spoilers, the Thrawn books are not set in the Empire. But you, you just see that bureaucracy, see that day-to-day lives, see those those different types of stories that could be told in that universe that's what I'm into. We we understand the operatic stakes of the lightsaber wielders, good or bad. But what the fuck is everybody else doing? What what is everyone doing when when like it's someone just trying to like get by in one of those empire ruled towns? The stormtroopers coming in and people like searching your house for Jedi like every other day. And you're you're you're, you're just trying to like work, look after your family, yeah. get get on with things. You kind of see that, I think, in what, the beginning what, of Obi Wan a little the, bit. What's the gossip in town? Yeah, yeah. What are the water cooler conversations that yeah. are happening? Obi Wan did touch on it a little bit at the very beginning, and I quite liked that they did that. Where they have um, what's his name, Lars, who's just like Obi Wan, get the fuck out of here. Like I'm trying to just live my life and raise this kid. Yeah. Like we're at Moisture Farmers, bro. We don't want your bullshit. We don't want your fucking laser swords. We don't want your empire coming here and fucking with if, us. And if anything, you're drawing too much yeah. attention. You get the fuck out of here and they will not be a problem because all we're doing all day is farming water. Like, bro. Yeah. That to me, I think was, it was such a great moment in Star Wars where you're just like, yeah, dude, it is absurd bullshit. And the Jedi bring that shit with them everywhere they go. <laughs> yeah. It's basically like, uh, just fuck off. I'm yeah. so tired. <laughs> so tired. It does, Not everything has to be good versus evil, man. <laughs> yeah. Today, I want to concentrate on which breakfast cereal I'm having. Just let me have that moment. Yeah. I don't want to have to be afraid of like, are the Inquisitors going to come and fuck my house up and like murder my family? No. I want to be concentrating on which of my cows is pregnant. Give me real problems, real person <laughs> problems. And Star Wars is like, yeah, you can have that, but also Darth Vader's coming. And you're like, fuck, what? Yeah, and really, like, your son is the chosen one. No big deal. Yeah, I do like that. I, okay, one of my favorite parts of Obi-Wan was Kumal Nanjani's character. Um, oh, the, the his name's scam artist, like, fake Jedi. The fake Jedi. That, to me, was the funniest shit because, of course, that's a thing. Of course, there are people out there pretending to be Jedi, using fucking magnets and shit, and like a hundred percent, man, they look Jedi cosplayers. And like everyone coming in, like it's just magnets and remotes, which is probably what they did for the original movies. Yeah, (laughs) I think it was hilarious. I think that's like a very cool, like self-aware way to just kind of like you know, like tongue in cheek, point finger. Yeah, yeah. And just to be like, you know, your average dude in that universe is not super powered. Most people are not Jedi. 99.999999% 99.999999% of people are just regular dudes going about their business. And he's like, you know, when he, when he, when Obi-Wan confronts him, he's like, bro, I get it. Like you're offended. You're mad about my cultural appropriation of your fucking spiritual, whatever. But he's like, I did just save those people. 
like legitimately, I did just smuggle those people off this planet. Yeah. So like, I, I, I am I, doing I, a good I may thing. have made a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, this is like, yeah. yeah, I got paid, but I have to pay rent, bro. Yeah. Like not all of us can live off the force. You know, we got to eat. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay for my plumbing. Like, it's that. Like, I love that that his character was so honest about. Like, yeah, I fucking I scam people, but like, I'm doing a good thing. Uh, it's also like, uh, like the start of Fallen Order when when you're getting the train back from the scrapyard, and like just having that like in between moment that normally you, you would never see was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then also like going into that uh, dream sequence of being in the Empire and like you walking down a train and you turn around and all of a sudden you're in the hallways and that like oh, I would love that 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 like. Uh, like hallucination sequence is fucking incredible. I love yeah. that stuff. We don't get enough of that, I think, in in the live action. I want more. I, I want, want more, more trippy stuff like that yeah. in, in the movies. That'd be. Sick. They did it a little bit in the original trilogy with like um, Luke on Dagobah, yeah, having like, like the Force visions and, and things, and seeing um, seeing himself in Darth Vader's helmet. Yeah, you know, foreshadowing. Um, I would. I, I hope that uh, minor minor spoilers, but they announced this yesterday or the day before. I think. Um, Daisy is coming back as Ray yep. in, in a new film. And I hope that they play with that a little bit because she's sort of free on like the filmmakers are free to explore what she's doing next. But I think there's room for her to explore some stuff by using those force visions and using these hallucinations and like meditating. Cause on, she has that power. She has that power. So I would love to see that. I would love to see them fuck with that more and kind of be like, what does it mean for her to have the history that she has, knowing nothing about her her birth parents, knowing nothing about her her backstory, but but she's carrying all of this baggage that the galaxy has sort of just landed on her shoulders. She doesn't have to deal with any of that shit. She chose to take a lot of that on. I'd love to see a sequence of like someone, like a Jedi or someone, uh, going to a new planet and exploring an area, and and there's someone who's powerful in the Force there that's like fucking with them, and it's basically like a big hallucination, like mind fuck trap. Oh yeah, and it could be like they go into some kind of labyrinth. All of a sudden, they're back home. All of a sudden, they're in the Empire. All of a sudden, they're back, yeah. like on the ship at the start of the planet, and they don't know where they are. Everything's getting fucked, up, flipped upside down, and turned around. Is what we want to see. We want to see. It's not magical realism because it's sci-fi. We want to see magical sci-fiism. Yeah, like like fuck with what I'm seeing in a way that makes sense and have and have like the visual imagery like for the movie or the TV show, like like specific what we're watching. Yeah, just fucking. Cool as shit. Oh, it'd be so cool. They do a little bit in the cartoon in Rebels. They meet uh, a Force-sensitive creature named Bendu, uh, and that dude fucks with them a little bit. But it's, nice. it's this idea that, like... And this, oh, again, a, what we a, talked a, about... A little, like, Force-sensitive, like, gremlin. Yeah. Well, actually, Bendu's massive. But it's this idea that, like, the Jedi and the Sith do not have ownership of the Force. It doesn't work that way. No. And I, I like that in the... You know, in the game, they talk about the Zepho. They wielded the Force. These guys were Force users. They built a whole civilization on it. The, you know, the Jedi were not the first. They won't be the last. And they're certainly not the only ones, even when they're around. I do like that. I like exploring the idea that, like, the Force is a spiritual concept that anybody could access. You know, it's the whole, it's all around us. It's everywhere, blah, blah, blah. That's cool, but, like, explore that more. Yeah. And explore, explore like what what are some of like the even bigger or even smaller and even weirder sides of the force yeah. that people use like day to day that may not have like a huge effect but would be cool to just kind of like explore yeah. and flesh out a bit. 
this is like we won't get into it too much, but it, it it reminds me of my one of my pet peeves with things like the X Men and like they're like why is everyone we see and I get why it's a movie it makes sense but why is all the people that we see like either overpowered as fuck or they have some super special skill ninety percent of Force users would be like yeah man I can move my coffee cup towards me without picking it up like in the X Men most mutants would have a power like oh I can I have like prehensile toes do you, me- do you remember the movie Sky High no. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt, it's that. Kurt Russell. That is, it's like it's like the, the one guy whose superpower is like he can glow a little bit in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Most people would have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. It's that sort of stuff where you you can give me fantastical, insane galaxies to explore with crazy shit, but part of me is always going to be like, yeah, but what about like the guy who who can't do that, and in his force power is. You know, he can project a cool image into your mind what if and my, calm you down. What That's if my it. power is like, and I can't control it, but I'm I'm just hyper aware of any dog that's around at any time, right? Yeah, and I yeah. can't control it. Like it's it's a, it's a useless power, but like it's it's my connection to the force or whatever like you know uh, thing is around us that has me doing this. Like, oh yeah, I know I know where dogs are. Is that useful? Yeah, like yeah. not really, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think the. What I'm trying to convey, I guess, is that even though they're not an adaptation, Fallen Order and Obi-Wan feel like they both understand what Star Wars is and they both understand what they are trying to be and it works really well. They complement one another in an incredible way that I am hopeful Star Wars will continue and we're going to see them building on more and more canon and more and more stories where instead of the audience or the fan base, the toxic, horrible Star Wars fan base going, this is bullshit, why did they do this, blah, blah, blah. Instead, we get to embrace it and go, that was fucking cool. Like, I think people can say what they want about Obi-Wan and Young Leia, and like some of that was pretty over the top and campy and whatever, but it's a cool also, fucking like, show. It might as well be campy. It might as well be. Most people who watched that show thought it was fucking cool. What are some Star Wars entries that, you, that for you are probably some of the worst or like really bad? Ooh. That's a tough one. I... Most of the films I have grown to love. And, and, and let's stick with the ones that are like technically canon. Technically canon. Most of the films I really enjoy, I will say that The Phantom Menace has aged quite well. You know, very quickly on that note, when I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, because the start of the first episode has like a recap of yeah. like the prequel trilogy, that recap of the trilogy just on its own was great. It was very cool. I was like, this is so handy. And actually like, it was really cool to see like, like major beat by beat, yeah. like what happened. I'm like, Oh, this is actually sick. And there's, there's the, the original, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy has definitely aged way better. And you'll, we're seeing this with like the resurgence in popularity. It's because people like me watched the prequel trilogy as a child. And so I loved it as a kid sort of fell out of love with it as I got older and realized oh, I wasn't very good actually. And now I love it again because I'm like, no, I love it because it's not that good actually. And and it turns out the bits that were shit are actually a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think having permission to enjoy something that's not perfect is awesome. I suspect we are going to see the same thing with the sequel trilogy in 20 years. We're going to have a whole other generation that grew up with them as kids who don't care that The Force Awakens was largely a rehash of A New Hope. It's the same fucking movie. But also like when you, like like that whole like argument that like, oh, this is A New Hope. I mean like, you're fucking rebooting and doing a new story. You got you got you got to like set it up. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'm fine with that. Yeah, they could have gone in a very different direction and whatever, but I liked it. Yeah. I do think that The Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker are by far the weakest entries in Star Wars by far. Interesting. 
The Last Jedi is the one where people are definitely mad at me and I'm going to get some comments on Twitter, whatever. A, a lot of people hate that movie. I think that one seems to be like very 50-50 on people. People divisive. either hate it or actually like really enjoy it. I fucking love it. I, I think it's I a masterpiece. It great. I think it's incredible. Yeah. It's stunning. I'll die on that hill. I don't care. You know what? A lot of people hate my opinions. I also but, really but enjoyed Batman v Superman. It's also the kind of thing too where like The Last Jedi I thought was great and I watched that, but I haven't watched any Star Wars movies since that. So, yeah. you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know what that tells you. I will say the, the weakest ones for me were things like Han Solo. Nobody needed that movie. I did hear pretty like mixed things about yeah, that one. Yeah, the, the way that it released was like, I get it. It was trying to be Indiana Jones for Star Wars, which makes sense if you consider who Han Solo is, but- it didn't work. It didn't work. I didn't like it. It did some it weird shit. It over-explained too much. It over-explained way too much. And then they had these great reveal at the end with, again, spoilers, Darth Maul. But like, I I didn't need that to be in Han Solo. I wanted that to be something else. Yeah. I wanted to see a live action Darth Maul somewhere else. Han Solo, it was wasted. Hardly anybody saw it. Hardly anybody knows that he's canon again. Like it's a whole thing. But the, the weakest parts, you could go through and carve out, I want to say- three seasons worth of the clone wars you could bin that you don't need that the clone wars really only hit its stride as it was finishing up rebels has the same problem the first few seasons of rebels you, you need to watch them to understand what's happening later on but honestly maybe i need like similar to the prequel trilogy recap i just, just need, do a I just need like a beat by beat recap of what happened in the rebels and the, oh, the clone wars and that kind of thing i will be shocked if they don't do exactly that at the beginning of ahsoka because they're, they're not going to expect everybody to go back and watch the four or five seasons of Rebels to understand it. They're going to give you a live action recap of what happened in that cartoon for sure. Yeah. Or I mean, there'll be like 20 seconds of exposition or, of her explaining it. It's also like, you know, for someone like me who's coming in very casually on different Star Wars entries and like I'm not ca- I'm not keeping up with like however fucking many there are now. If I'm going to dive into something, I just want like enough context to be given to me to, yeah. to know like, oh, okay, this is where we are, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Cool, easy, done. It, it it's at its best when it is given permission to be fun and to and to have fun with what it is. Fucking laser swords, space wizards, blowing shit up. I mean you like look that's it. I mean you look at that at its core concept, right? It's space wizards with laser swords. Like how can you take that seriously? <laughs> you got you got and, you they, and, they, like, and they use this magic to move things around and like it, it's literally white v black, like Yeah. Like good, red, red, red v blue, good versus bad. Like, come, come on. on, people! There's a fantastic um, moment in the Rise of Skywalker where you see Kylo Ren shirtless, and a lot oh, of the and fans, like the high pants. He's, he's high pants, and he's wide. He's white as fuck. He's the whitest boy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. You can see why people joke about. Um, you know, they make memes out of it, and it's like, I think what's happening is people are ripping on the Rise of Skywalker. Admittedly, it's got huge problems, canon wise, but. Execution-wise, it's a lot of fun. Big action sequences, a lot of lot of great little reveals and twists, and ooh. I think twenty years from now, people are going to look back on that the same way that people look at things like the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. bits don't work. It's a bit shit, yeah, but fucking fun. Memeable is memeable as hell. It's another thing too. It makes me think of like all the clone troopers or stormtroopers. Or I forget, like because I, I know there's like very specific terms for the different ones, but the the white soldier outfits that just look like they're made up of plastic yeah like I they, mean, they look like toys you know it's, it's fucking toys i do i do enjoy it does happen in live action but then quite when, a bit when you get like the like the ultra like metallic silver like really menacing mm. looking ones that look very militarized that's cool but then you have the, everyone walking around in like their little white plastic outfits yeah <laughs> the the armor thing is a point of contention among fans because 
they have like written loads of explanations as to why they wear the armor and what it's for and blah, 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 blah. But it does seem to defeat the purpose when you can just whack whack them on the head with their helmet and they fall unconscious. What the fuck, man? Well, because it's made of plastic. <laughs> it's made of plastic. There's a great, uh, I think you'll find it's actually made of uh, plasteel. Uh, but anyway, there's a great Fuck yeah. Off. Seriously, you can get you. I could get real nerdy on the cannon. There's a great moment in Fallen Order where Cal has broken into an ATAT and ADAT, and he is taking over the drivers or knocking them out. Oh, I play I play that bit. That bit was a lot of fun. Right? He like in the game, what he does is he grabs the two heads and knocks them together to knock them out. And you're like, yeah, I've literally seen that in the movies. Of course, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and like because it's a little cutscene, so it, the camera cuts in front, and they kind of yeah. look at each other and go like, huh? huh? Clunk. You're like, that's comedy. That's what they've done. Yeah. If it had been up to me, he would have put his brand new double sided lightsaber right between them and just, and they'd be dead straight yeah. through the head, right? But you, Star Wars knows when those moments are happening. And it doesn't lean into them because it's like, yeah, we get it. This could be grim as fuck. This is a guy who's cruising around with with telekinetic abilities and a fucking laser sword that cuts through anything. He should be ripping shit apart. Oh, it's also like, you know, uh, you slice people in half, but like the bodies don't like yeah. go apart, right? So like they're, they're, they have to step away a little bit and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's meant it's, to be fun. It's You're supposed like- to be laughing a little bit. It's enjoyable. This is not a horror film. Having said that, I would love to see horror in the a Star good Wars Star Wars horror movie would be oh. fucking amazing. It, it, it's it's kind of like you look at um, Logan being an R-rated X-Men movie, and you actually see like blood and guts for the first time in a superhero movie because that's what would fucking happen. Yeah, people getting torn in half. Like, is like lots of like you see movies where people like shooting guns and killing each other, but you don't see any blood. Yeah, because like it's not real. You you play games, there's no blood and bodies disappear after a while because like we like I mean a it might be a performance thing because you can't have a lot of like. Uh, physics assets bodies like taking out performance but at the same time like we we're not here to focus on the blood or like if we did that's a different type of game different type of thing yeah it's a a different genre different mood different atmosphere i would love to see that though i would love if they do i think it could work really well as a video game you should play killing floor 2 which one killing floor 2 oh it's basically it's basically like a zombie wave shooter but um uh, you can choose like how many bodies stay on the ground before they disappear oh yeah and all the blood doesn't go away. Like basically like you, you can paint the levels in the map with blood. Because I've done a way where, where like the, the textures for the map are basically like you have like uh, like the snow or, or the floorboards or the walls and all, all that kind of stuff. And when you kill an enemy and like the blood like splatters over it, it kind of rubs away that part of the texture and underneath is this blood. Oh, that's cool. So there's a way to have done blood splatters that don't disappear, that don't, that don't affect frame rate and performance. Yeah, and you can cool. have the entire level like bloody after like 10 waves of killing like hundreds and hundreds of enemies. Fuck yeah. It's so good. I, I do think that's that's a part of Star Wars that we haven't got into that I would love to see is, yeah, what happens when, like, like for example, oh. if you were going to do a, a horror video game, Maybe maybe have it so I'm not necessarily playing as a Jedi. What if I'm playing as a Sith? Well, I just thought uh, that um, classic scene, I think in the second Matrix movie, where Neo is fighting like hundreds of Mr. Smiths. Yeah. Have that as, as a Jedi with a lightsaber with tons, yeah. of, with tons of stormtroopers. And just go into town. And have their bodies st- stick around, have like like arms and, and body parts flying everywhere. Yeah. Like, 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 like maybe, maybe like you, you cut off someone's arm and it flies and knocks another stormtrooper in the head and he passes out. Oh, there you go. Because like, that's also a bit of comedy there, right? Yeah, I can see why they don't do it in live action or the cartoons or things like that. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's not the core audience here. But there is definitely an audience for grimdark Star Wars. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. I would I would be into it. Fuck yeah. And I know I'm not alone in that. 
I mean, just anything, even like um, like Marvel or like any kind of like superhero movie, like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, could have leaned in a lot more, but it went into that like like super grim, super dark, kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like like I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but it had horror moments. Oh, I want yeah. I wanted it to be more of a full on like horror. I'll bet the movie. first couple of drafts of that script were way darker. Oh yeah, I think I think I think there was there was a lot of back and forth in that because also also like Sam Raimi. Come yeah. on, um, I, I would love to see if you're if you saw Rogue One. That is the grimmest I've seen Star Wars. Yeah. That last sequence with Vader in that hallway, give me give me a whole video game of that. Or give me like a two-hour film of intense, grim, horror. He's coming. It's happening. Like, like put me on edge. There's no escape. Yeah, I want to see that. that and and, and like you have no choice but to try and hide. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? This is... I'm going to throw this idea out here. Somebody out there make this. If you did... Uh, Alien um, isolation, but mm. instead of the alien, it was Darth Vader tracking you down on a station. I would play the fuck out of that. I think Darth Vader would just like get you immediately, though. I think that's the issue, right? Is like canon wise, he would fuck you up straight away. He would yeah. sense you, whatever. Like he could just ruin your day, especially if you're force sensitive. Like yeah. he's gonna fucking find you. Like maybe it's not Vader, maybe it's an Inquisitor. But like I would play the fuck out of that. I think that would be insane. What or if, maybe what if, it's an alien that's force sensitive? Like a force sensitive xenomorph. That's too frightening. Although, yeah, maybe. That could be fun. Yeah. There's there's something to be said for like, what if it was, you know, the purge is happening. You're playing as a Padawan in the Jedi Temple on the night that Order 66 happens. So you're not escaping if you're going, If you're going full on dark grim there, you, like, you'd have issues playing as a child. But if you're a, if you're a Padawan like adult, then yeah, yeah. go all in. I yeah. think it could be sick. Just in terms of portraying that kind of like yeah. slaughter yeah. with children. And then you're like hiding and you're running, but you've got some force powers, yeah. but you don't have a lightsaber or something like that. Like there'd, there'd be a lot of fun you could have with that. Yeah. I, I can already hear like somebody at Disney's being like, the second anyone tries to do that, sue them, sue them into oblivion. Nobody touches Star Wars without permission from the mouse for sure. But like fucking do it. Somebody We're make, a family franchise. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, no, fuck that. Hack it together. Somebody out there do like a, a shit demo, chuck it online for free. People play it. It'd be fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Or, you know, you, you, you do it like it's clearly Star Wars, but it's not Star Wars. It's like, it's like Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Wars stars. Anyway. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like uh, I feel like that's everything I, I wanted to say about Star Wars. I will say that I loved seeing uh, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor again. Yeah, I loved it. And if they want to do more of that, I'm here for it. I don't I don't care if it doesn't make sense or if they look older than they should or whatever. I don't give a shit. He, he definitely looked older. Yeah, but but, it's, but again, too, like if you're gonna do a show like this, it's fan servicey. You don't need them to have it make sense or, or be like, no. oh, he clearly looks 10 years older. Like, yeah, he looks 10 years old. Like, it's made it. 10 years after the previous one. Yeah. Um, also, like, at the start of Everyone Kenobi, Ewan McGregor is like, it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm an old man now. But it's true. I'm like, I don't care. Because both I'm real life and, and in the universe, right? Because yeah. like, it's been 10 years since he's played the character. Exactly. I, I love that. It was, it was, it was great because they didn't need to sort of hand wave or lampshade it and go, there's a canon reason why blah, blah. Nah, fuck that. They just went, you love it. Just watch it. Don't worry about it. They both look a bit older. Whatever, man. It's cool. I was yep. like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Yep. And hopefully, you know, for, for next episodes, I'll have more time to complete a 20 hour game. If I also <laughs> end up having to watch a full season of a TV show after watching half a season of another TV show. It's true. Fuck man. I will say. I, I have a full time job. Yeah, you, you actually have stuff to do. I will say that, um, this was a slog in terms of the length of the game. It is it is unnecessary. And also, long. like it's a tedious game, right? So like I'm playing it, and I'm getting frustrated with it. 
Yeah. Like all of that aside, like my frustrations are like all the actual like mechanic mechanic side of yeah. things, right? In terms of the themes and the storyline and the awesome beats of Star Wars, all that is still just incredible. I'm pumped for the sequel. Yeah. it's. I think it's April 28th it comes out. Um, so which is, yeah, this recording should come out a week after we do the recording. Yeah. So then it should be like a couple of days after this is live. Yeah. Fucking get ready. It's going to be it. great. It's going to give me uh, two weeks to finish it before uh or maybe it's three weeks before the new legend of zelda drops and then that's going to be Ooh. my full-time job for like wow, a week. soon shit i knew i should get under that as well but i think i said that we, we we don't often do long long form like this like the tv show being six hours worth well it's not quite but it's i think it's well, roughly the six thing hours is, like we don't often do it but i do want to do more of it when we have time like my i think my big dream pairing that I'd love to do but it would take like months mm. to actually like play through the games and watch the whole shows and want to do The Expanse and like the Mass Effect trilogy oh, maybe we should do that but that's like six seasons of a show and three full on games and they're massive games what we could do is maybe uh, I don't know we've got comments or something set up I can't remember but if the fans want it badly enough maybe we do at the end of this season we start that process and we during the break between seasons, we do that and we're at first episode. I mean, there's also so many games coming out that I want to play. I know, I know. Star Star Starfield is that this year? Oh. Uh, we're going to do Dead Space for our next episode. I know. Yeah, hang out for that one. Dead Space and... Uh, Event Sh Horizon. Oh, oh my excited. God. I watched that movie again the other week. I'm going to watch it again this week. For, for, for the you got to. It's gotta. such a fucking good movie. Mm. Oh. Anyway, Sam Neill. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, this has been... Um, Jedi Fallen Order and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I think it's pretty clear that we liked them, even though, you know, I had frustrations, but I think it's more of a time management frustration on my end. <laughs> I, I feel like this one is a shining example of understanding what something is really about. Yeah. And, and one could argue that rather than being an adaptation of each other, they are both adaptations of the core concept of what Star Wars is. It's also, it is interesting looking at it from, from your perspective, being like that hardcore fan base and like knowing every intricate detail about it and me coming on from that more passive casual perspective. But it's still like, it's still interesting in, for both sides of that audience. It still worked, yeah. Yeah. No, fuck yeah. Oh, easy. Well, A++, more of that, please. Catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>